Last summer, I was at a family reunion, and our first supper together was a potluck. Now, I don't know about you, but I really love potlucks. I, I love to taste new flavors. I love family, uh, family recipes that people like to share. And I love sharing these recipes with each other, and all this stuff that happens at a potluck. And uh, I'm excited about going down to Green Bay later today to share some, uh, some potluck. Well, there was a salad at this potluck that uh, had tomatoes and feta cheese and red onions, and I put it on my plate. And uh, when I got, sat down and took a bite, there was this really weird moment of indecision. Do you know, sometimes if you walk into the kitchen and there's a smell that's happening and you're like, I'm not sure if this is a good smell or a bad smell, it depends on what's cooking. You gotta figure it out first. Well, that's how I felt in that moment. And, and I don't remember how long this was, but I just remember being like, this is not what I thought. And uh, I was trying to decide, do I take my napkin and indiscreetly get it out, or do I keep on chewing, you know? <laughs> Sounds like some other people have had that experience before. It turned out that what I thought was tomato was actually watermelon. And this was a watermelon feta cheese red onion mint salad. I had never heard of this before, but once I knew what it was and then I tasted it, it was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Today, we're beginning a series called Taste of the Kingdom. And as I was pondering the word taste, I, I did a little research on taste and I found out that there's a science, a complicated science that I would have never imagined around taste. Uh, I've always thought that our taste buds were all on our tongue. But did you know that we have taste buds on the, buds on the roof of our mouth and the back of our throat? You, we also have taste receptors in other parts of our body, including in our gut, in our pancreas, our lungs, and our nose. Now, we do have a nurse in here, so I hope that I got this research right. But I was fascinated by this. They, they don't all have the same role. We don't taste them the same like what we do with our tongue, but, but they have a range of functions and some functions that we don't even understand yet. Something else that I learned is that there are five taste qualities. We, we, I grew up knowing of four, sweet, salty, sour, and bitter, but there's umami, and that's, a, that's one I didn't know, so we're five. And what I also didn't know is that they're not separate parts of our tongue that taste those different things. I, I, I learned that in school, and I found out that was uh, updated since then. There's actually, uh, each taste bud has 50 to 100 receptors on it, so it can, it can taste a, a multiple of those tastes. Needless to say, taste is quite complicated. But it's a wonderful gift that God has given us to be able to enjoy such a wide variety of flavors. Many that are good and healthy for us, some that are not so good. One of the uh, taste researchers of taste at Monell Chemical Senses Center in Philadelphia said this. He said, the taste system is the last decision point where you decide whether you're going to take something into your body or reject it. You're asking major, it's, it's making major, major decisions. Is this going to be good for me? Is this poison? Taste can be a warning system that can save our lives. So when we talk about taste of the kingdom, it can be a great metaphor. Because when Jesus came to the earth, he told people 
to repent, to change your ways because the kingdom of God is near. Because Jesus is the good king who is the king of this good kingdom, the reign and the rule of a good king. And we'll see in this series that the taste of the kingdom is good. The characteristics or the fruit of this kingdom, the qualities are life-giving. They're good, they're enjoyable for everyone. This morning I want to look at the context of the verses that we will be focusing in on during this series, Galatians 5, through 23, that lists the fruit of the Spirit. But I want to I want to look at the context around those two verses this morning. So we're going to read Galatians 5, verses 16 through 25. I would really encourage you to have your Bibles open or on uh, to Galatians 5, 16 to 25. It'll come up on the screen as we read it, but we'll be be referring back, so it's good to have it in front of you. Galatians 5, 16 through 25. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. In these 10 verses, Paul gives us four unique metaphors for how we are to respond with and cooperate with the person and work of the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, he says we are to walk by the Spirit. In verse 18, we are to be led by the Spirit. In verse 25, we are to live by the Spirit. And also in verse 25, we are to keep in step with the Spirit. It kind of makes you think that this might be really, really important, how we respond and we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And it is. These verbs, walk, led, live, and keep in step with, are very alive and very active and very purposeful. They're also in the present tense, which means that this is something that is going on in the life of every person who have decided to give their life to Jesus and follow him. And it will continue to be in progress. We will continue this relationship for as long as we live. We will never be done with this active relationship where we walk in step with, are led by, and we're living by the Holy Spirit. It's a way of life. It's the way of the kingdom of God, where Jesus is the king and we are his subjects, although we know from other parts in the Bible that we're not just the subjects of a distant or uninterested king. We are his family. He is our older brother. God the Father is our father, and the Holy Spirit is our counselor, our guide, our teacher, and our power. And if you're hearing all of this for the first time, I want to invite you to become part of this family, this kingdom of God, 
in chapter 1 of Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians, that he was inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit to write. He says in verse 4 of chapter 1 that Jesus, God the Son, gave himself for our sins to rescue us because we, without him we are alienated from God. We cannot do enough good to overcome the corruption and the sin that is in our hearts. No matter how, good, how much good we do, there will always be selfishness. There will always be corruption and sin in our lives that separate us from a completely pure and good and holy God. But God loves us so much and he wants us to be free from our sinful nature. So Jesus, God the Son, became human and he lived the perfect human life that none of us could live and then he died the death that all of us deserve. He took the punishment that humans deserve upon himself and he died. He took all that corruption, all that depravity, all that sinfulness, everything that separates us from God, he took it to the grave with his death and then he conquered death. He left the bad in the grave and he rose. Paul tells us in Galatians 2, verse 16, that we can be justified, that is, we can be made right with God, put in right relationship with God, not by works of the law, not by doing enough good things, but by faith in Jesus. If you want to put your faith in Jesus this morning, Jesus is offering the invitation. All you have to do is realize you need him. Ask him to forgive you, to apply that forgiveness to you, because you're willing and you're ready. Give your life to him. Ask him to lead your life. Build your life around him because he knows better than we do how to live it. He made us. And he will give you the Holy Spirit to guide you and to be in this active relationship where we, are, well, where we walk with, we're led by, we live by, and keep in step with the Spirit. If you want to do that this morning, we would be so excited to share that with you. And if you want to pray with someone, then talk to one of us pastors, me or Pastor Kevin, Pastor Chris, or one of our deacons. And so I want you to know who our deacons are. So deacons, if you could stand or raise your hand, stand if you're able or raise your hand, uh, so people can know who our deacons are. So three of them are right here. Brad is in the other room helping with our, our sound. And there's uh, Ron who's not been able to be here this morning. But these people... They want to pray with you. They want to, they, we pray for you. You can sit down. We pray for you regularly. We talk about how can we help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. So these are people that, that you can come and pray with. And, and, and anybody in here who loves Jesus would love to pray with you as well. Well, in verse 16, after Paul tells us to walk in step with the Spirit, he explains that there's this huge struggle that goes on in the life of every person who follows Jesus. It's not just accept Jesus and everything's easy. There's a struggle. It's a conflict between the way of the Holy Spirit and the way of the flesh, as he describes it. Now, when we hear the word flesh, we probably don't have in mind all the things that Paul does because we think flesh, you know, like the, the stuff on our body. When Paul talks about flesh in these verses, he's talking about the way of people without Jesus. All of us, every human who has ever lived besides Jesus, we're all people who live by the flesh. We live uh, by, by the way we want to live. 
Paul's way of describing the kingdoms of the world, the, people, the way people naturally live in a world that is corrupted by sin and selfishness and all this corruption around The way of the kingdom of God is the way of the Holy Spirit, and the way of the Holy Spirit is completely different than the way of the flesh. In verses 22 through 23, the fruit of the Spirit, Paul describes the way of the Spirit. And the list is radically different than the list that he provides in verses 19 through 21 that describes the way of the flesh. And what Paul tells us here is that walking with the Spirit, living as kingdom of God people, is not easy. Jesus said the same thing. In John 16, he said, in this world you will have trouble. Jesus never said following him will be easy. He talked about counting the cost of following him. He talked about being willing to die to ourselves, to, the, to die to the way of living that we're used to, that what's all about me, to the desires of the flesh we have. But he goes on to say, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Paul tells us that the way of the flesh, the ways of the kingdom of the world, the way we're used to living, the way of life that comes naturally to us, the selfishness and and the sinful desires that we have, they're completely opposite than the way of the Holy Spirit, which is the way of the kingdom of God. So there's this battle that we all face, that we all struggle with as people who follow Jesus, as people of the kingdom of God who live in the kingdoms of the world because we're living in the midst of a broken world, broken because of human sinfulness. It's not a battle against other people. We need to be clear about that. It's not a battle against other people. It's a battle that begins in our own minds and hearts because it's a battle between the the way of of God and the way of the flesh. And it's a battle that will continue for the rest of our lives. That's why Paul says in verse 17 that the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want. We will have desires that are not the way of the Holy Spirit. We will. We live in a place where we will have those desires. And we're used to those desires, but as people of the kingdom of God, we're not to live that way anymore. So how do we not live that way? Paul says, by walking in the Spirit, verse 16, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In verse 21, Paul explains that not gratifying the desires of the flesh is not just a recommendation. He says that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a really stern warning. And because it's so stern, I want to make sure that we really understand what he's saying. See, Paul makes it very clear we're going we're gonna to battle our sinful nature, the desires of our flesh. He also tells us that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to have victory over it. He also tells us that we're not saved from our sinful nature by doing enough good, but by faith in Jesus. So he's not saying that if we mess up and give in to our sinful nature, and do something opposed to the way of the Spirit that we're disqualified from the kingdom of God. That's not what he's saying. When, if you mess up, then you're out. That's not what he's saying. 
He's not saying then you're no longer part of the family. What he is saying, he is saying that if we are habitually doing the things of the flesh, if there's no struggle in our mind when we mess up, if we're just living that way and there's no battle, we don't care, it's just okay, then we are showing that we're really not people of the kingdom of God. Because if we're people of the kingdom of God, we will battle with that desire. We will want to be more like the way of the spirit and less the way of the flesh. And when we mess up, we'll, we'll, we'll feel bad about it and we'll, we'll, we'll repent and we'll, we'll strive to be part of the kingdom of God. People of the kingdom of God will want to act and to live and to think and behave as people of the kingdom of God. will desire to be in line with the Holy Spirit and less involved with the hungers of the flesh. But we're gonna struggle with the inclination towards the way of the flesh. We will mess up sometimes, but we will have the desire and strive to walk in the way of the Spirit, the way that God has brought us into. So Paul tells us the way to not gratify the desires of the flesh is to walk by the Spirit. If we are led by the Spirit, we're not under law. We're, we're at His mercy. I think the, the closest explanation as to our part, how do we do this? comes in verse 24. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says it a little differently. He says that I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When we ask Jesus to forgive us and give our lives to him, when we make that decision, We're mysteriously united with Jesus in his crucifixion. God sees us as as having been crucified with Christ. We are brought in right relationship. So our our flesh has been crucified. And, And before God, we are righteous because of what Jesus did. But in Galatians 5, 24, Paul says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we look at those back to back, it's different wording with a different emphasis. In Galatians 2.20, we have been crucified. That's something done to us. But in verse 5.24, it's something we do. We have crucified. To walk by the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit is our part is to crucify the flesh, to deliberately put the flesh to death. British theologian John Stott wrote in his commentary on Galatians, he said that we are actually to take the flesh, our willful and wayward self, and metaphorically speaking, nail it to the cross. This is Paul's graphic description of repentance, of turning our back on the old life of selfishness and sin, repudiating repudiating it finally and utterly. He goes on to describe that this is an ongoing action. On a daily basis, we have to recognize our sinful desire is something so evil that it has to be crucified. And this daily decision to put the sinful nature to death is not easy. It's painful because we have real desire to do the things that we want to do that are opposed to the way of the kingdom of God. But as we decide to crucify our nature, our sinful nature, as we make that decision daily 
and depend on the Holy Spirit to empower us to live and walk in step with Him, we will move away from those desires and towards the kingdom of God and have those desires towards the kingdom of God. We will move more and more in line with the way of the kingdom of God. In verses 19 through 21, Paul gives us a list of the acts of the flesh that characterize the ways of the world. And then in verses 22 through 23, he gives us a list of the fruit of the Spirit. And this is the way of the kingdom of God. We're not going to look at each of the items this morning. Over the next several weeks, we'll be looking at each of the things listed of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 22 through 23, but what I want to do now is point out a couple differences, a few differences between the way of the flesh and the way of the Holy Spirit. So, first, Paul describes the lists differently. Look at verse 19. He begins by the list by describing the acts of the flesh are obvious. That's verse 19. Now, verse 22, he doesn't describe the way of the Spirit the same way. He doesn't say acts of the Spirit. He says but the fruit of the Spirit. It may not stand out at first, but when you think about it, the difference is quite profound because when Paul describes the ways of the flesh, he uses the word, Greek word ergon, and it's translated as acts, but it can also mean works or deeds or undertaking something. Timothy George is a theologian and an author of the New American Commentary on Galatians, and he said the works, or as translated in our version, the acts, of the flesh are the products of fallen human beings in their devising, conniving, and manufacturing efforts at self-actualization. The list of the ways of the flesh are, are a list of the things that people try to do to find themselves, to find fulfillment, to find attainment, self-actualization. The list of the ways of the spirit are, are described completely differently. The fruit of the spirit are not achieved by human effort like the works of the flesh are. The fruit of the Spirit is the work of the Holy Spirit. The fruit, of the fruit that the Spirit produces in the believer. So we don't, we don't work at producing the fruit. We walk with the Spirit, and He does the work. Our part, again, is to decide daily to crucify the sinful nature and walk by the Spirit, and He empowers us to do that. He produces the fruit in us. We just have to decide to get in line. A second difference between the two lists, the ways of the flesh and the way of the Holy Spirit, is that Paul describes the way of the flesh as acts or works, plural, multiple. There's multiple acts and ways that we try to do all kinds of things, and that the list pours out in a chaotic fashion without conclusion. Paul says, and the like in verse 15. It's like the list could go on and on. The way of the Spirit is markedly different. It's singular. It says the fruit of the Spirit. One fruit is displayed in nine different graces, but in contrast to the chaotic outpouring of multiple ways that humans try to do things to, to find fulfillment, the way the fruit, the way the fruit of the Spirit is a taste of cohesive life and beauty. And a third difference is that the way of the Holy Spirit is the way of life. There's no law against any of these things. There's no law against the way of the Spirit, whereas the way of the flesh is the way of death because the works and acts of humans without God 
are against God. The taste of the kingdom is the taste of life, of beauty, and of wonder. The taste of the flesh, it's deceptively exciting, but it leads to death. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at each of the nine graces that Paul lists as the fruit of the Spirit. My hope is that this series will spur us to a have a greater and greater desire to delight in the way of the Spirit, the way of the kingdom of God, that we want more of it, that we will want to taste more of it because it's so good, but also that we will will become the taste of the kingdom. I want us to be the taste of the kingdom for the people around that can be invited in, that we become the good taste So we want more of the taste and we become the taste. So what I want to challenge and invite you to this morning specifically is to ponder verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified with the flesh with its passions and desires. To walk in the Spirit daily, we have to crucify our sinful nature. We have to say no to the things that are against the way of the kingdom of God. And we can't be, do this alone, but we have to be willing. And if you're not willing yet, pray that you will be willing to be willing. We have to start somewhere. Pray that God will make you willing. And if you're willing, pray that he will help you do it. Because it's God's work in us. And our part is just to get in line. Agree with him. That needs to be crucified. I want to walk with you. Empower me to do it. And help us to become more and more in step with the Spirit, in line with the way of the kingdom, the taste of the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, you are so, so good. That means your kingdom is so, so good. It's a good and right and loving. It's the list of Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh God, if we were all like that, who wouldn't want to be a part of us? Who wouldn't want to be welcomed into this family? Make us more like that. Help us to do our part and just get in line to say no to those things that we want to do for ourselves rather than walk and step with you. God, we can't do it, but you can do it in us. And you've already done the work. You've put to death the power of sin over us. We have to say yes to you. Help us to be willing and ready and to repent. And thank you that you give us that choice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.